Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Who is with us in studio taking a look at uh, buying on auction today? Uh, we've got quite a few, few uh, sadly, quite a few case studies to share of people who found that they were or felt that they were poorly treated when buying on auction. Uh, we also have a, a consumer lawyer standing by to talk to some of those case studies and the issues that they raise. So, uh, hopefully, an in depth conversation about buying on auction. And then I hope we'll have time to make some open line calls available after that as well. Uh, Wendy, always lovely to have you with us. Uh, Thanks, in studio. Pippa. Welcome back. Thank you. So auctions are a legitimate means of buying and selling everything yep. from homes and cars to furniture, art, anything you can think of, provided the auctioneers play by the rules and provided that consumers understand what their rights and their obligations are. So on that point, the big downside for consumers is that you're essentially buying the item foots toots as you would if you, it was a private sale okay. uh, between two private individuals. The Consumer Protection Act's right of return if the product is defective, um, it doesn't apply, nor does Ooh. the cooling off thing where you have you know a, a week to, um, to change your mind if you buy something unseen. And this is now becoming an increasing reality with online auctions, yes. right? So you don't have those protections when you buy an auction. But the Consumer Protection Act regulations uh, do stipulate that the rules of an auction may not exclude liability in respect of inaccurate information provided in the advertising of an auction. So you cannot com- play completely fast and loose with a description of something um, and then throw your arms up and say, sorry, no recourse when someone says, but this isn't this is actually, not what I thought I was buying. Yeah, it's yeah. completely misleading. Uh, okay, so yeah. it was firstly an email from Sally on Monday morning this week, which focused our minds on this topic. Wendy, do you want to just summarize what, what she experienced? Yes, absolutely. She took part in an online auction on Saturday, having seen a particularly rare and lovely piece of furniture advertised for that auction in advance. Um, she went online, uh, she bid for the, for the, for the piece. Her bid was the winning bid, uh, bid, rather, and she got confirmation of that immediately after the item came under the virtual hammer. She luckily took a screenshot of that conf- uh, confirmation. It says one. It's got the, the picture of the item, one, and then her, her, her winning details. bid, the amount okay. that she paid. But it was a short-lived win, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, we have Sally on the line with us to tell us more about what happened next. Uh, Sally, thank you for being willing to, to share your experience with us, and welcome to the show. Absolutely. Hi, Pepper and Wendy. So on um, on Friday night, I went online and found a very rare piece of mid-century furniture. Okay. Um, I um, bid. I well, I'm um, I bid um, that morning um, when it came on, um, and as I said, um, I won the bid. So luckily, I took the screenshot. Um, then I just posted on an Instagram, did a little story about it, and there were a couple of other items I was looking at bidding, and all of a sudden, I got a notification that I had lost it. So I phoned the auctioneers and spoke to Shauna there, and I described what had happened, and she was a bit shocked, and she said, I said, look, I've got a photograph, and she said, please, what I send the photograph, which I did. She then came back to me and said, no, someone else had, had won it. I said, but I've got the screenshot, and I would have gone up to 25,000 rand. And she said, um, well, I'll come back to you. And, and she came back and said, oh, the other person would have gone to 40,000 Rand for this, for this piece. It was also way undervalued for what it was, which I was very, very surprised about. Um, I then asked her for the owner's name, um, the owner's number, and I spoke to him. I told him all about it, and he came back to me. 
And he said, no, there was a glitch. There's a glitch in their software. He said it often happened. Well, he said it occasionally happens on various auctions. And he named a few international houses, Sotheby's being one. And I said, well, I can't believe that. And if there's a glitch in your system, then you shouldn't be using it. So, um, and I said, yep. And I said, you know, I, I had won it. And he said, no, someone else had bid and they had won it. So you can I just be clear, you had bid and you were told that your winning bid, which I think was just under 18,000 Rand, was the successful one. It then was. Only, and you received absolute confirmation of that. You've got proof of that confirmation. Yeah. They then turned around after the fact and said, actually, there was a higher bid and it was a software glitch. No, it I mean, was the same bid, Wendy. It was the same bid. Someone had won it on the same price. 17,500 Rand. Someone had won it on the same price. On the identical price. That's on the, the thing. identical price. So you weren't bid. outbid and this was an attempt. No, uh, I wasn't outbid. Okay. Gosh, now, I mean, uh, as you said, you clearly weren't buying the explanation about the software glitch uh, in, in no. there, Sally. No, not at all. Um, I then said to him, look, I'm very unhappy about this. And he said, all right, what we will do is we will re-auction it after the end of the, the, the day. And I said, look, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to take legal representation. So I contacted a lawyer and he came back to me and he said, look, normally um, the auctioneers, um, you know, they, they, they decide who has won. He said, but in my case, they had shown that I had won it. Yeah. Which I then, I, he called me back and I said, look, I have won it. He said, look, if you won't agree to, to the re-auction at the end of the day, I'm giving it to this other person. I said, wow. but I got, I got notification that I had won it straight away. He said, if I'm not going to do it, he will, they will cancel the auction and it goes to the other person. I said, well, I'm going to take it to Cape Court and uh, talk and Wendy Nola. Okay, and Wendy Nola did take it up with the auction I house did. in question. Now, it Wendy, was... we specifically haven't named them because it's been a difficult one yes. to get, get so, feedback on. Yes, so yeah. I got, I got um, um, the email on Monday, so I took it up on Monday, didn't get an answer. Of course, yesterday was a public holiday, which messes with my work week horribly. Mm-hmm. So this morning, when still no response, um, fairly early, I called um, on the cell phone number that I had been given for um, the owner of the auction house from Sally and routed through to his office. Apparently, he's overseas and none of his staff felt competent or qualified to um, issue a response on behalf of the company well, to convenient. us. Yes. So, you know, I me, mean, I like to, um, I've been doing this for many years, I like to say, out of uh, make sure that there's no repercussions and give companies the ample right to chance reply. to reply. Yes. But I thought, um, I was already way down the rabbit hole of auction um, research. So I thought, well, let's put it out there. We can come back and, and feature the response. But in the meantime, um, let's get our own legal uh, opinion on, on what happened. and um, uh, Which we yes. do have right now because Trudy Brookman has been listening into Sally's description of what happened. Trudy, of course, no stranger to the show. She is a Cape Town-based attorney who specializes in consumer law. And uh, Trudy, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Welcome back. Hi, Fafa and Wendy. Lovely to chat to you as always. So you've heard Sally relay what she experienced. Have you ever encountered such a a scenario before as a matter of interest? No, not this exact scenario, although I have dealt with various auction matters um, over the years, and I'd love to tell you about those if there is enough time on this um, uh, program. But um, let me try and give an exact answer to Sally's situation. I specialize in consumer law and the Consumer Protection Act um, is the uh, the law that applies to all auctions 
that we've had in South Africa conducted since 2011 when the CPA became effective. Um, And sections 45 and 65 of the Act and a whole raft of regulations apply to auctions. Auctioneers have to strictly follow those in order to make the auctions valid. Now, there is a provision. So, well, uh, the first thing that I want to say deals with Section 45, and that says a sale by auction is complete when the auctioneer announces its completion, either by the fall of the hammer, so that obviously applies when you are in an in-person auction, or uh, in the case of an online auction, any other customary manner. Um, up to the time that that announcement uh, is made, you can still re- retract a bid. Um, obviously not relevant in this situation, but it gives you an idea of how it all works. So when Sally received that notification that she took the screenshot of, um, that was a notification by the auctioneer that announces the completion of the sale by auction. So Sally at this stage is already the owner of the the item that she purchased because the sale is completed. Um, What I've been wrestling with in my own mind is what if the glitch, we obviously don't know the inner workings of the um, software software that Mm. manages all of this. What if two individuals got exactly the same notification at the same time. (laughs) What then? So um, I think the law doesn't have a very clear-cut answer to that. And we don't know whether that applies. I don't think that's the case. Um, But in that case, my view would be that the person who first got the notification that the sale is complete by receiving that little notification on on the website would become the owner and the auctioneer would have to please explain to the other person. So... Um, Sally doesn't need to agree to a further auction. She doesn't need to bid again. She's already become the owner of the of the goods. Uh, let me just qualify that subject to the terms and conditions of the auction. So one of the things that I think as uh, consumers we need to take into account when we are participating in an auction is that the terms and conditions of the auction are of essential um, importance. And whether or not you've read them, whether or not the auctioneer has read them out before the auction, whether you arrived late and didn't hear them, um, you are bound by those terms and conditions. And the court has over and over said, uh, all the way up to the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal, that um, whatever the terms and conditions say, that is what goes. So subject to the terms and conditions saying something quite different, which I don't think they do, but one, would have, one, one could study those, Sally is the owner of uh, that beautiful piece of furniture and she can insist on getting delivery um, and ensuring that she, she makes the final payment and, and, and uh, yeah. And Sally, I hope you'll send a podcast of this conversation to the auction house in question because that's pretty emphatic. I will do. And, you know, as I said, because it's such a rare piece, it's not as if it's going to come up again, you know, in the foreseeable future. Yes, it is. Do you want to just explain it and then just before we go to news, it, it Sally? Is a, it's, it's stunning. It is a 1960 cupboard, which when you open it, turns into a complete desk with a pull-out desk, drawers, shelves, absolutely everything. It is the most amazing piece made in Germany.
And it is absolutely stunning. I can understand why you yeah. feel so strongly that uh, uh, if you were told it was yours, you've already pledged your heart to that piece. And Sally, I absolutely. hope that Trudy's advice will help you stick to your guns with the auction house. And uh, Thank you so um, much. Thanks for chatting to us today. And obviously, Wendy, once we have had a formal response Next from week, the auction house, we'll come back to we this. will come back to the subject and revisit it. Trudy, please stay with us on the line because our auction woes are not over yet. Uh, we have another case study to share uh, involving an auction where uh, the uh, buyer feels that what they uh, received was not the same thing as what they actually bid on. We've also got a couple of listener questions coming through, so we'll handle those after the eyewitness news. Just a reminder that if you've got, for now, specifically an auction-related question, you're welcome to send it through as a WhatsApp to 0725671567, or you can call us on 021-446-0567. We will make some space for open line calls a little bit later in the program as well. So if you have a different kind of question, by all means, send the WhatsApp now or call when you hear me say uh, Consumer Talk 021-446-0567. Y'all, Noel's comment on Twitter saying, stuff the consumer, it seems as though this auction house has made up the T's and C's as they go along. Well, uh, Noel, uh, yeah, we will give them the opportunity to to defend what has happened and explain um, the glitch in the system that they're claiming was to blame. Uh, but it requires them to to be willing to engage with us. Uh, and obviously, the public holiday yesterday has made that slightly more difficult. Um, but I hope by this time next week, we can pick up and give you their feedback. We continue our consumer talk conversation, looking specifically at uh, your consumer rights when buying on auction. So before the break, we heard Sally's story of uh, being told emphatically and sent notification that she had won the bid only to have the auctioneer try and back out of it by telling her somebody else had actually won it. Uh, A story where uh, our our consumer lawyer, Trudy Brookman, has said... um, she really has got legs to, to to fight back and try and hold on to her beautiful piece of furniture. We have a second case study uh, to share today, which we wanted Trudy to, to listen to. And uh, before we bring in the complainant, as it were, Wendy, do you just want to set the scene for us? Sure. So Anthony took part, Anthony of Fishhook, took part in a an online auction in early July, buying two rather special cars, a Maserati Merak. I don't know if I've even said that right, mm-hmm. 1973 and a Porsche 944, neither of them, um, as it turned out, living up to their online description. Anthony told me, I understand and don't argue with the footstuts clause, but I'm disputing the entire accuracy of the listing. There were overseas buyers as well. And I believe the vehicle, are we talking specifically about the Maserati because that was the most problematic of the two vehicles. I believe the vehicle was misrepresented by the auctioneer, he told us. Um, When they were trucked down to him from Joburg, um, the problems were almost immediately apparent, he said. Okay, we've got Anthony with us on the line. And Anthony, to you too, thank you very much for being willing to share your experience so that we can really dig into the issues that it raises and other listeners can learn from from what you went through. Welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon, Wendy and Pepper. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks. Let's focus on the Maserati, which I know was the biggest problem, or the bigger of the two. Uh, how was it described in the advert for the auction versus the reality of what arrived uh, in your garage? Um, the vehicle's uh, condition was described as excellent, so overall condition was excellent. And the um, final description described the vehicle as runs and drives nicely and presents very well. So the overall impression of the whole advertisement for the particular vehicle in question was presented very well and seemed above standard and yeah. excellent. 
But that's not what you discovered when the vehicle actually arrived. What what was actually wrong with it, Anthony? Unfortunately, when the vehicle arrived, uh, firstly, it didn't, didn't run properly at all. Um, the, the vehicle's clutch was slipping and needed a new clutch uh, to be installed. Uh, there appeared to be a head gasket issue um, with the vehicle, so the engine may have had to have some engine work due to oil in the cooling system. Um, further inspection of the vehicle revealed that the underneath of the car was showing severe signs of rust, and when one sat in the driver's seat, the floor deflected by quite a quite a large margin, Oof. and the floor plan was actually rusted. Uh, rusted. Um, so you mean to say, uh, sorry, Anthony, when you pressed the accelerator or any of the pedals, your 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 foot actually sort of pushed down through the bottom of the car. That's correct. The, the oh. metal deflected under, <sighs> under your feet. And one only had to climb on your hands and knees and, and look under the vehicle and, and see that there was quite a substantial amount of rust underneath the vehicle. Um, anybody who'd sat in the vehicle would have, would have known this. Okay, but the, the, the key thing is you hadn't had the opportunity to sit in the vehicle, Anthony. No kind of inspection had been possible prior to the bid. So you were relying on the honesty of the description on, on, on the auction information, correct? That's 100% correct. I was doing international travel at the time and decided to use the description as my basis and uh, lesson learned, but at the same point, um, you know, hence we are where we are today. If I may ask um, about the costs involved here, Anthony, I mean, do you want to give us a sense of how, how much you paid for the vehicle, even within a ballpark, and, and how much it's going to cost to get it to the condition they said it was in originally? I mean, those the slipping clutch, the footwell issue, etc. cetera, what, what sort of money is going to be required to fix all of that? Um, I prefer not to disclose what uh, the vehicle uh, was paid for on auction, but uh, the repairs could amount up to between 200,000 rand right. and above. Okay. okay, it's substantial. substantial, yeah. Mm. So the car's been taken back. The auction company, um, you told me um, earlier, paid to have the um, vehicle uplifted from you. You're not sure where it is now, but you don't have it anymore. You were initially told after some back and forth negotiations that they were going to refund you the cost of the, the the bid and as well as the shipping costs and basically everything that you were out of pocket on this vehicle for, but they changed their mind. Could you just talk a little bit, as much as you're comfortable with sharing on that, where you yeah. sit with that refund issue as we speak today? In, in, initially, after discovering all these faults, I um, I emailed and contacted the company, and I didn't. My response um, was wasn't answered. Um, so hence, I took it further and spoke to Saya, the auctioneer body. And uh, at that stage, I emailed um, you, Wendy, and I um, I then negotiated with them um, after much pushing that I got an admission that something had gone wrong. And we agreed on a settlement to return the car and I would be refund the, the full purchase price of the car and that I would allow them two months to either dispose of the vehicle or refund me in full, um, whichever of those two it would be. So we negotiated a settlement rather than proceed on a legal basis. Um, then further to that, they contacted me to say that they would uh, refund me fully and decided that their reputation was more important and then unfortunately reneged on that statement. Wow. Any reason or they just said, sorry, we've changed our mind? No no reason. Okay. So here's a key question. You've said that the car was described on the auction, in the description on the online auction page as excellent 
and runs and drives nicely. Knowing what you know about the car and, and, and allowing for, you know, a certain kind of syruping of a, of a description on for an auction setting and an advert, shall we say, what would you have expected to, in terms of a, of a fair, um, accurate a description of that car? Well, the vehicle needs mechanical attention. So the, the larger description the vehicle should contain that the vehicle does need to be serviced. It does need some mechanical attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot describe the uh, vehicle as excellent, which which needs the serious amount of, I call it rotisserie restoration work that this mm-hmm. car probably needed. Um, so, yes, uh, it would have been a fair to good condition, but definitely not an excellent condition. And hence my point that the description is very far off. Right. Um, polar opposite to, to what it, what the problem was. Okay, Anthony, before we, we let you go, I mean, you've already said, um, Mia Culpa, you didn't inspect the car um, before putting in the bid. Uh, obviously, that's a, a hard-learned lesson that you yeah. hopefully will not uh, fall over again. Anything else, uh, just in terms of your learnings out of this experience, or any advice that you'd share with listeners listening to this, uh, of things to be a bit more savvy about going forward on if, if you are going to buy on auction? Yeah, I, I think do your homework on, on the auctioneer, the description of the vehicles. If you can't attend in person, have somebody else attend on mm. your behalf. Um, you know, if you can get a mechanical inspection report on the vehicle, rather rather do that and, and have a professional look at the vehicle and never never go on somebody's description of the vehicle. Um, definitely, uh, definitely listen and learn as you just so well described. Thank you. Anthony, thanks for, for being willing to share it with us today. Now, Trudy Brookman's been listening into that. And Anthony, uh, you're welcome to, to listen on the radio or to stay with us on the line to hear what Trudy has to say. Uh, before I bring her in, though, Wendy, you did in this case as well reach out to the auction house. Did you get any feedback? I did. Actually, I, I, I only came across this case. Anthony emailed me, it was the end of, of July, you know, my story with my bursting inbox yes, yes so it was only when i did a search for the word auction in my inbox this morning that i found um his and several others but obviously his is a is a, is a really interesting case so i there were a couple of cell phone numbers in there and i thought i was phoning anthony as my first port of call to get some background and an update and i actually phoned the general manager or the, the the md um or manager i'm not sure of of the auction house whose number he'd also supplied and he said um, or, okay, as soon as I mentioned the case, he said he put me on hold and I thought, okay, waited a bit. He eventually came back and said, I'm going to have to call you back in five minutes. And he was very insistent that I was available to take the call. And, you know, this is definitely going to happen. And you know, about 40 minutes later, when when he hadn't called back, I phoned him again and I got a voice, ma- voice message saying the mailbox was full. And shortly after that, a text saying that he was in a meeting. So I texted back to ask why the refund offer had been withdrawn. And I've not had a response since. Or it might have come while I was on, while we've been on air. But uh, as far as I know, I haven't had a response. And so again, I, to be 100% fair, fair um, we're going to bundle this together with the other case and come back. Because there's certainly enough time between now and next week's show to give for them, them to, to explain to why they've reneged on that refund offer and how they justify the description of excellent on that Vehicle. Well, I'm interested to hear Trudy's thoughts on that. So again, Trudy Brookman, thanks for listening in so patiently. Uh, I mean, based on what you've heard Anthony describe there, um, uh, I mean, you don't have to be anything like a car expert to, to know that the use of the word excellent is at the very least questionable given the actual condition of the car. I mean, as a, as a, a legal mind, do you find that potentially misleading? 
Yes, certainly. Um, so I say, I'd say this is a classic example of misrepresentation and um, it's one of the things that the Consumer Protection Act is most insistent on prohibiting. In fact, there are four provisions in the uh, CPA itself and then relating to auctions, there are three or four provisions in the regulations as well that insist that um, auctioneers are not, not allowed to advertise um, uh, goods to be sold on auction in any way which isn't accurate. So uh, Regulation 20 speaks about um, all advertising of auctions must be accurate and then um, in Regulation 24 which deals with prohibited behaviour which is the um, regulations in, uh, regulation in which uh, lawyers spend a fair amount of time. Mm. Um, it says that the auctioneer may not knowingly misrepresent or cause or permit to be represented either the value, the composition, the structure, the character or the quality or manufacture of the goods put up at sale, uh, for sale at an auction. And here the character and quality um, of the goods is is what was described as being excellent and turned out to be, uh, in fact, uh, suffering from rust and requiring uh, mechanical attention. So um, the Act says that you aren't even allowed to um, uh, misrepresent a thing by by omission, in other words, mm. by failing to disclose something which is relevant. Um, yeah. And to my mind, the rest is relevant and the mechanical attention also is relevant. Um, uh, yeah, Anthony was speaking about how he's learned a lesson and how he suggests that consumers um, are very careful when, when purchasing goods um, on auction. And I really want to double support mm. that, just double underline that comment. Um, how it works is that if you're selling a good where you are a bit iffy about the quality or the condition of the goods, then an, an auction is the ideal space to sell mm. it. I'll tell you why in terms of the law. Section 55 of the Consumer Protection Act says that consumers generally have a right to expect that goods that are sold to them are of good quality, that they'll be usable and durable for a reasonable amount of time, that they don't suffer from defects, etc., etc. That section doesn't apply to goods sold on auction. Mm. Likewise, the Second Hand Goods Act doesn't apply to goods sold on auction. The Liquor Act doesn't apply to booze that you're selling on auction if it's at, let's say, a school fundraiser, etc. Um, there are various protections for consumers that just don't apply um, to auction goods. So that means you really need to go and check the thing that you're buying, yeah. especially if it's a vehicle um, and especially if you're buying it on a sheriff's auction. So um, sheriff's auctions where goods have been repossessed by the creditor because you've fallen behind with your payments, um, if it's a vehicle, the creditor generally just sells them uh, or the sheriff will repossess and and sell for uh, generally a very low pr price and you can you can pick up a car for you know two cents um, uh, and 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 hopefully uh, have a lovely bargain but you need to worry about the quality of those of, of those vehicles at least now what the high court has been doing is that they have started to intervene where sheriffs are selling uh, properties um, and saying we have to have a reserve price. There's a whole lot of 
hoops that the banks have to jump through before property is is repossessed and sold on auction. But with vehicles, that's not the case. So you need to worry. In any event, what is the remedy for Anthony? Well, the Consumer Protection Act says that um, if there has been misrepresentation, then a consumer is entitled to approach a court and uh, in terms of Section 52 and ask the court to make literally the court can give any just order. So the court is entitled to say this transaction is void from the beginning and each party must just give back whatever they've uh, received under the under mm-hmm. this invalid transaction. They can say you need to pay uh, damages. They can say you need to pay the legal costs. They can um, impose um, uh, any type of penalty on, on the supplier, etc., etc. So that gives us an indication of how things should play out, whether or not you actually have to um, spend the money on going to court in the end. Um, The law requires that this transaction either be invalidated um, on account of the misrepresentation, and then generally it would have to be quite material misrepresentation um, uh, about a central aspect of the vehicle. Now, the quality of the vehicle and its drivability is central. So. To my mind, there was probably not even consensus between the parties right up front because Anthony thought that he was buying a vehicle in excellent condition. What he got wasn't in excellent condition, and and that's not really what he agreed to purchase, um, particularly for the price, which no doubt for a Maserati is substantial. So, um, uh, so, so that's the one option. The other option is that um, if he had chosen to, to retain the vehicle, he would have been entitled to um, obtain a reimbursement for, let's say, the 200,000 rand, which was required to bring the car into excellent condition. Um, so that's an alternative yeah. for oh, consumers. It didn't get to that, but if it had, then... Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's also good to know. Mm. Trudy, before we let you go, and with one eye on the clock, I know you mentioned that you've dealt with your fair share of auction-related cases. Are there any other case studies or key aspects you'd like to mention just to alert listeners of things to be aware of? Yes, I would. I'm gonna I'm gonna go quite fast because yep. I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2018, 2019, I assisted a couple who had purchased uh, a property on a sheriff's auction. Um, what happened there is that they bought, um, they signed uh, the documentation, and. Um, but what, what happened subsequently is that the person whose house had been repossessed, the data of the bank, then made a substantial payment, which satisfied the bank. And the bank said, no, we're happy that you retain your house and we'll try and cancel the transaction. So they approached the Leffendals, my clients, um, and said, uh, are you happy with the, the poor person <laughs> whose house this actually is, has made a payment, let's just cancel. But what happened then was that the clients were held um, liable for the sheriff's um, commission um, as well as the legal fees. Now, isn't that ridiculous? It was quite a mission to get the money back for them, but of course we did. So so that's one of the situations where you want to be super careful and read the T's and C's right up front. Um, uh, but, But if necessary, if you are held liable for commissions and things where the seller has cancelled, that's in breach of the Consumer Protection Act and all of the provisions uh, in the regulations dealing with auctions and speak to a lawyer and and get them to to assist you to get your money back. Then I've been 
um, I, I posted an article on my blog um, a while back about auctions, and um, and 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 in response, I've had a series of comments about the People's Auction, which is an online auction house which sells um, vehicles, it seems, run by a gentleman called Nazir Muhammad. That all of these are just my instructions in terms of what my clients have been telling me. Two people have, have approached me to assist them um, uh, in respective transactions that they had with uh, the People's Auction. The one lady purchased a vehicle for her son. Um, she paid for it, paid cash for it. She got the vehicle, but the vehicle was supplied without the papers. So they haven't been able to register the vehicle cool. on the son's name. Um, That's major. So now it leaves you in a ghastly position because you're driving an unlicensed vehicle or you can't drive it. Yeah. Um, it really renders it quite unusable. And they say that um, they've had absolutely no joy in trying to get those papers, uh, despite a lot of effort. So. That's one instance. The other person had an even more serious uh, situation. She purchased a vehicle for 75,000 Rand and um, paid cash up front as well. Um, happily driving the vehicle um, when uh, she had to stop at a, a, a police, um, uh, she was stopped by the police yeah. at a roadblock. That's right. Um, they discovered that the vehicle was stolen and they impounded it on the spot and now she's out of her money and out of the vehicle and she can't get hold of people's uh, um, uh, auction auctioneers to, to, do, uh, to get hold of her, wow. <laughs> to, to reimburse her for her 75k. So um, yeah. those are, are matters which are still on my to-do list. I haven't reached an outcome yet. We, we've just recently received the instructions, but... Um, one of one of the reasons that one wants to be super, super, super careful when you're purchasing on an auction. I'm not saying don't do it, but I want to say do be very careful. Trudy, thank you. thank you as always for your valuable input. Trudy Brookman speaking to us there, a local uh, attorney and consumer specialist. We really appreciate your, your input today and uh, the words of caution about... Uh, doing your homework before you put in that bid. I mean, Wendy, the one case study we didn't get to today, but somebody bought an oven on auction and what was delivered to him was a completely different model from what he'd paid And to. broken yeah. and much older. And, and another auction, these were major auction houses, um, bought, the description was LED floodlights. He got, when he says, one of those she bins for women's products. Altogether, you spend 10,000 rand on those uh, two products. And um, they're pointing yeah. to the terms and conditions which say picks may differ from item. I mean, what? So that was in February. That was that was one of the startling ones. That was my inbox search for the word auctions threw up this morning. Um, I will go back to him and see if I you can take that up because that is probably the most alarming. I mean, it's much smaller amounts of money than what we've been talking about but on the show. But it's, it's a ridiculous misrepresentation. Probably the I can't think of anything more more ridiculous. Than that. More outrageous than that. Yeah, yeah. and okay. I would echo certainly what um, Trudy had to say about buying cars and auctions. It's probably um, the, the scenario that it comes into my inbox most often around auctions, and that is, I would certainly say, and this is my personal opinion based on those cases, that unless you're in the industry yourself and you know exactly what to look for, bearing in mind you can't test drive the car and it is a footstool deal, is you shouldn't go near buying a car and auction under those conditions because the chances of you um, landing up with a dud and having no recourse are very high. And remember, I'm sorry to, to generalize, but often 
Um, these cars that have been repossessed, they haven't been serviced properly because the people have been battling financially. Sometimes yeah. they do throw funny things in tanks for some, you know, kind of, well, I, if I can't have you, well, you know. Oh, my goodness. And and I'm not saying that's common, but these are cases I've heard of. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I just, yeah, obviously what I say is skewed by the negative cases I've had. But I, I would say you need, really need to be in the game and know what you're doing to buy a car and auction and be reasonably said, confident. Hire somebody who is to yes, go and, to go and do it. Yes. Yeah. They can't test drive it, but an, an experienced, look. Yeah, yeah, they'll look underneath. They would have found all the problems, certainly. Um, maybe not the slipping clutch, but, but he would have seen, seen the massive rust. rust. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Wendy, really interesting show today. Thank you very, very much, as always, for joining us. And uh, we'll chat again next week, Wednesday. We'll do, thanks. If you have got a case to bring to Wendy's attention, just a reminder that the email is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R.